Hey there, friends. My name is Kyle Devlin, and this is Having a Blast. Having a Blast is a pop punk, punk rock, and emo podcast where we're going to be discussing all things punk rock ethos and personal development and the parallels within. We'll also be doing some deep dives on important albums and bands. I'm going to be talking to band members, producers, and a bunch of my friends. And I want to know what makes these people tick. How has being self-motivated moved them in the direction of their goals? We're going to have a lot of fun finding out. So without further ado, let's get into it. What is up? Welcome to the show. This is Having a Blast. I'm your host, Kyle Devlin, and today I'm extremely excited to be speaking with a return guest. I actually spoke with two members of the same band. I am speaking with Frank, joined by Dan, their guitar player as well, and it was a lot of fun chatting with these two gentlemen. They're getting ready to play a lovely little festival in Chicago called Punk the Burbs, and they're going to be playing their album Quitters Never Win. They're going to be playing it in full at this festival. They're going to be playing October first. We talk about a lot in this episode. We talk all about the early stages of the band, recording the record, Quitters Never Win. We talk about the creative process. We also talk about the record that they put out about three years ago called Everything Is Fine. And if you haven't checked out much of the same's music, I would highly encourage doing so. Such a cool, melodic skate punk band. And I really hope we get some new tunes. But in the meantime, I think you guys will enjoy this chat. So without further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Frank and Dan from Chicago's very own Much the Same. It's so easy to look outside myself and point out all the blame. I'm sad and when I see a friend no longer acting the same. I wonder how each one of them so easily falls away. The answer is identical to how I got this way. How's it going, man? Good, good. Long time, man. What's up, dude? How are you? I'm all right. Good to see you. Yeah, man. Good to see you again as well. It's crazy to think like it's probably it's been over a year. Just by a little bit. I was looking at Facebook memories yesterday and it was exactly a year ago that we did our episode. That's fucking dope. Oh, wow. Yesterday. Yeah. I am um, because I did that the family cast and I got a Facebook memory that that already was a year at one point. And I was like, Jesus, how is this? This fucking time, man. It's a construct. It's it moving at the speed of light. It seems you did the family cast. Yeah, that okay. one was a lot of fun. I, cool I, man. Josh is just great. I mean, you've obviously worked with Josh. You did the song with Josh. So. Yeah, Josh is rad. Yeah, Josh. He's just a goof. Like he's so funny. But like, we'll just have like very random exchanges. I think I talked to him on the phone like maybe two months ago or so. We were just like bullshitting, you know, because he's you know everybody says like restaurants are industry is the word. Everybody's learning that now from the bear. Um, yeah, <laughs> I still haven't watched, but I'm gonna get Hulu. I watched a couple episodes last night. Yeah, it's, I'm gonna. I think cool. I'm gonna get Hulu because of that. And fucking Prey comes out tomorrow. Oh, cool! Um, Predator movies can be bad. I don't give a shit. Yeah, they're just fun movies to watch. A giant alien kill things, and it's got a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I was like, hell yeah! Wow. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is probably gonna be a clunker, but that's fine. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, mindless entertainment. I'm all about it these days. I mean, we don't watch a ton of TV, but it's usually like our wind down time at the end of the night. But the bear was great. You should watch it. I'm sure I'm going to love it. But there's a part of me that it's like, I live this every day. I don't want to use this to relax. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's way more about back, like back of house problems. Than, right. You know, but. Right. That is fair. It's a stressful show too, but in a good way, in a compelling way, because 
I've worked in restaurants before too. Nothing quite as intense as that, as back of house as it portrays, but I've worked in restaurants and fast food restaurants and stuff. And yeah, it can get really stressful back there sometimes. So I think a lot of people, they can relate to it. I think that's one of the reasons it's hitting that chord, striking a chord with so many people. It's an industry where like when somebody asks you and you go into work and like shit really starts to hit the fan and someone asks you if you're okay, if you say no, like you mean it. Like oh, you yeah. are not okay. Yeah, yeah. You are over. <laughs> Everything is just like you're like, and you have no choice but to like put your fucking head down and like grind through it. Like otherwise, yeah. everybody's gonna fall apart. Also, your pocket. At least if you're me and you're yeah. fucking, you know, they keep the pretty ones in front. You know, what I I'm would saying? never <laughs> front of house. Yeah, I, man. I was like, no, I'm fine. Everything, I'm fine. Well, I, I said fine. I wasn't I fine like, like three weeks ago. I said I wasn't fine. Yeah. Like straight up. Like I got sat with like five or six tables at once and I had like nine and I was like, someone's like, are you okay? I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like I straight up need help. So. Nothing is okay right now. <laughs> but we'll get through it. It's going to make me not fine having to tell you what I need help with. Having to like stop and explain to you what I need. No, you know what? I got it. Yeah. And I think we can all relate to that. We've all been in a situation at work where somebody's asking us, well, how can I help? Dude, I don't even have time to tell you what I need right yeah, now. Yeah. So just stay out of my way. Create, <laughs> that might be the best thing you can do. Can you create new existences where this isn't my reality? Because if you can do that. Yeah. The, uh, the, dog, <laughs> the dog yelps aren't, uh, aren't going to be too big of a problem, are they? The random dog yelp. We have our dog. Oh, here. no, it's all good, man. Okay. I've got a dog. It's funny because there's probably half a dozen episodes that I have where you can hear my dog barking in the background. <laughs> Sometimes I'll shut the blinds. And I think that helps. He'll just nap. I think that is a good way to distract him. But yeah, there's been times where it's good that I just do the audio because I probably look really distracted just thinking, oh, crap, my dog is going to bark for the next yeah, 15 minutes. <laughs> no, it's all good. Where are you guys at? Whose house? This is my house. Yeah. Okay, cool. And Dan, it's nice to meet you, man. We have not had the pleasure of meeting. Well, we may have met back in the day when we played a show together. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we only played one show with you guys. Yeah, and I completely forgot. And Chris reminded me and I felt like such an asshole because I told him that I was a fan of your band. I was talking to him via Facebook or something. And I said something like, I'm surprised we never played a show together just because we live in the Midwest and we were just traveling up there all the time. And he goes, didn't we play a show with you guys? And then he told me exactly where we played, when we played, the date, the time and everything. And I was like, oh, that's right. Okay, maybe we did. And it was a show with Staring Back mm-hmm. at Spencer, Iowa, at the yeah. VFW Hall. Yeah. 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 Those Spencer shows were amazing. Did you guys ever play there other than that show? We did. We used to play there all the time. And you're right. They're amazing. Jesse. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if we covered this last time we talked. Did you play The Apartment? You asked me that, and I'm blanking on whether we did or not. I couldn't remember, honestly. I need to ask some of my other bandmates. I've played so many shows. They're just a blur at at times. I do remember playing the VFW quite a bit, and I remember they couldn't do shows there for a little while, but I'm not sure if we ever actually played at his apartment. Right on. Speaking of your band, I don't know. Did you release, were you releasing the songs the last time we talked? Were like the stories we tell ourselves, and I can't recall the name of the other one. Like, were those out the last time we talked? I don't think they were. I think the stories we tell ourselves, we released it just shy of a year ago. So it was probably right after that. 
we bounced back and forth a little bit through message. I probably told you like that song just rips and it was hysterical. Thanks, like, and it was like, you hit the nail on the head when I was like, dude, those, those riffs are great. And like, yeah, I was channeling my inner, I don't know if you said Ryan key or Ryan Mendez, but either dude from yellow card. And like, yeah, like those dudes are just nasty. You know, oh yeah, dude. The way they yeah, Ryan Mendez. When I heard it, I was like, absolutely. This, this is some fucking yellow card shit. It was great. I loved it. Thanks man. I appreciate it. Yeah, the highest compliment. Yeah, Ryan is a shredder. I mean, Ryan Q's a really great guitar player too. You know, I never he's like zoned in on him. I always like was as soon as like Ryan Mendez joined the band and like, like you said we toured with Staring Back, mm-hmm. uh, and you know watched that dude play for like whatever it was two weeks, week and a half that we were out with him. And he's one of those guys that like you can watch. You can you don't need to watch the rest of the band. The rest of the band's great. On is yeah. a great record. Staring Back is great. But like you just watch Ryan and be like, shit, man. That's a yeah that like unreal light years ahead of the game you know um, yeah i always uh, had fun watching them record and then they get to the second to last day and he would go do all the solos the solos he wouldn't let them hear it he would just record it and that would be the first time they would hear it and their jaws would just hit the floor uh, i always thought that was cool how they did that that's right yeah he's a great guitar player i remember one time i think it was 2002 warp tour we were in la and yellow card was playing they were playing the drive through stage i was hanging out with sean i can't remember what we were doing but we were just kind of like perusing walking around watching bands and we stopped and we watched staring back because they were buds of those dudes just because they were on the same record label and stuff he was like you got to watch this guitar player and that was the i think the first time that i saw them play or maybe one of the first times, because I think we played a show with you guys and them maybe six months later. Right on. Yeah. Part of like some of the things we talk about Ring Redundant from the last time, I almost went to go listen to the episode to like make sure it wasn't. <laughs> I was open. I mean, Dan's not in the room right now. With Yellow Card and like Ryan, yeah, dude, I was so happy when he joined that band. Good for him. Yeah. So are we like, is this uh, is episode in motion? I I, and I think. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're doing it. This is working. <laughs> All right. We're in it. I can edit whatever, which is always yeah, fun. Of course. You mentioned staring back. You know what Nick's up to now, right? Yeah, he's he like wrote the MGK record. Yeah, which is insane. I mean, it's Andy. a random set of occurrences. But yeah, I guess he tours with him. He's one of his rhythm guitar players. Like a lot on the road. of dudes like just kind of stayed at it, though. Like the over it guys. Like I know Nick and Ryan, right? Even uh, yeah. you know, Ryan produced the new, they had like a producing part on the new Dirty Heads album. Oh, cool. By Ryan Agra. It's Ryan OG. Like, that's his... Okay. Fucking go after him for that shit? That's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Ogren. Yeah, I remember Dolan Down. We played a lot of shows with those guys, too. Same. Yeah. Same. Cool. Red. Yeah, they were a lot of fun. We played a couple of our biggest shows ever. They were opening for Reliant K, and we had a friend who was from Kansas City, and he was working for Amberlin at the time, I think. He hooked us up with two shows, and each show had 2,000 kids there. It was two of the biggest shows we played, but it was really cool because we had already played with Don't Look Down. So it was cool to see those guys. And Amberlin was brand new. They, I think they had put out their first record and that was it. Yeah. And I was yeah. Really happy we got to stay friends with Don't Look Down because we were Don't Look Down and that was like a weirdness. And like, and I was so glad, like the weirdest thing was only meeting them. Yeah. And like after that, even when like they were like, it's not, you know, unknown that they sued us like for the fucking name. But like, even through that, we we're just like, okay, like we'll just, that's cool but like we still played shows after and we were fine yeah and it was always awesome to see them and when they come to town like we go to the show even if we weren't on it and cool they sued you (laughs) yes they did oh we got to talk about that okay so (laughs) don't look down and we were done and they were don't look down dan wasn't in the band at the time when this actually happened this was we had this kid matt 
and we did our first tour. I was 19 years old. This is kind of rad because this will segues into the Quitters Never Win shit, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. We did our first tour. It was two weeks. It was East Coast. We were technically like with Tank Records at the time, which was John Cavallo's label from Smack and Isaiah, who became Wilhelm Scream. John quit. They got Chris yeah. so on and so forth. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably know the story. Is my guess of Wilhelm Scream. But we had a show scheduled in Ocean. Is it Ocean City, New Jersey? Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Inside or Ocean City? Ocean City, I think. I wasn't there. We had a show there. They were playing a, oh, fuck. We were playing a Volcom show. And they were playing, I think it was. Hurley, right? It might have been Hurley. They, They were all sponsored by Hurley, but they were, I don't know if it was Hurley. Either way, they were playing like another big company at the time in pop punk clothing, right? And we were like miles away from each other. So they came to our show and watched us play. And then we went to their show and watched them play. We met, we were just like, hey, how's it going? There was a little like joking of like, I'm going to get you, you know? Um, <laughs> but and but I wouldn't fuck with Ryan. He's got a long reach. He's a tall dude. And, you know, we're all like, every single one of us is under 5'10". So uh, <laughs> we shouldn't do that. But either way, like we met him. It was cool. It was funny because at the end of the show, Ryan was just like, you know, it's kind of funny to say that we're don't look down because they're also don't look down. But he's like, we are don't look down. <laughs> but then they sued us. And it's like, okay, you know, it's fair. They were getting signed to Nitro. They were doing like mm-hmm. shit way bigger than we were, you know. So, I mean, we kind of knew it would be coming. And then when it happened, we were just like, okay. And we got a settlement, I believe. And I think we bought a shit ton of new merch. Okay. That's right when I joined the band. Yeah. I remember being a part of like the discussion of like, so what do we change the name to? And Chris said, much saying, I was like, yeah, that's, that's cool to me. I just remember there were so many names being thrown at me that by the time that came up, I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Don't, like what made it hard is contractually, we couldn't say don't look or down. Like that was like in the thing, you know? Wow. Where it's going to be. Yeah. So it's kind of lawyers put that in i guarantee it and it's hard enough but it's hard enough too like i mean just taking away three words it'll add you know it'll bump it up Mm -hmm. that is interesting okay i had no idea i didn't realize you guys were called don't down previous to much the same oh right on yeah yeah Yeah, that was uh that was the local band that like dude i remember i saw chris play with don't look down with like the mook and the old Mm -hmm. bassist they were a three-piece and i like went up to chris and i was like yeah man i'm like you want to start a band with me i didn't know you want to start a band me you're good and he was like, no. <laughs> and then it's funny because I met them kind of through Dan. I met Chris through Dan. I knew the other two guys that were in the band, but we were going to the same community college. And he, his dudes, the, the two dudes that were in Don't Look Down were quitting to join a band with Dan. And Dan was like, you know, there's an opening over here. And I was like, oh, that wow. band asked if that guy wanted to be in a band. And he said, no, but fine, I'll go try out for that band, whatever. You know, Timing, man. And like, and here we are. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are. You guys are still in a band together, which is rad. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. So then did you guys immediately start writing stuff for Quitters Never Win around that time? Yeah. It's mostly like Chris had uh, most of the ideas for that record. So when we started, the majority of them were his songs. So yeah, we started writing, you know, like just working on stuff that he kind of already showed you guys and then like he showed me like in a one of a kind and wish were like the first two that we had off there some of the songs are older like liar was on the first ep something not soon is on the first ep but so like other than those songs that like we tried to redo those were i think the first two yeah and yeah. then we cut well we cut the demo that was later i guess yeah we did a three song demo yeah. which like okay. kind of led to us going to af and I yeah. think, did we do that with Dan Precision? Yep. Yeah. So we did that with Dan Precision from 88 at Bomb Shelter, who we then recorded Quitters Never Win with. Right. 
but those three definitely songs want to talk about were, that too yeah those three songs were miss the pain one of a kind oh miss the pain and quitters never win and we did those three songs and that was kind of like okay this is the band now mm-hmm. yeah uh, and that solidified things you guys knew you kind of had something yeah <laughs> didn't you just tell me the other day that you came up on stage to play one of a kind when we were introducing you and you fucking faked it no, no, no. Was no, no I told you about the Thrice show when I completely blocked, like, we played with Thrice and it was, like, the big fucking deal, you know? Like, yeah. Like, this is uh, this is awesome. It was when, I think Quitters was out. We opened with One of a Kind in the first whole entire, like, first bar of that song. Didn't play guitar at all. Like, as soon as we started, it was just, like, blank. <laughs> How do I play, you know? Like, I was so nervous. Yeah. And then, uh, and then it was fine after that. It was, like, cool. I've had moments like that too. Yeah, it's okay. It happens sometimes. It's like you get up there and everybody's looking at you and you just completely forget. Just everything goes out the brain. Okay, so you guys play with Thrice and you guys just posted some photos from that not too long ago, right? I thought I saw that on Instagram. Much better looking. (laughs) (laughs) No, you all are aging like fine wine. Okay, You're, You're still young men. No, we're not even halfway. You look great too, bud. You look great. <laughs> that was probably pretty exciting. I mean, Thrice was, I think, every musician's favorite band at that point yeah. because Illusion had come out. Was it after the summertime when they had released Artist? Or yeah, Illusion of Safety was brand new. Oh wow. Okay, yeah. It's kind of a weird coincidence. The first time I ever saw Thrice, I actually saw them open for Anti Flag. That's awesome. Yeah, That's crazy, cool. right? It was a Sub City tour, a Call for Peace. And so it was a pretty eclectic tour, but I remember hearing, I think I had one of those compilation CDs and I heard Identity Crisis. And of course, every guitar player was obsessed with that riff, that opening riff. Mm -hmm. And he came out, he's got that black beauty and he's playing it. And I was just immediately like, holy shit, I fucking love this band. Who is this band? Yeah. Around that time, we were pretty obsessed with Thrice. And did you guys open for him at Fireside? Yeah, yeah. Fucking, that's and awesome. Brand new was on the show. Yeah, brand new was on that. So I mean, it was. Like, oh, are you serious? Yeah, wow. And this is before you know the what was the fucking huge record? The play with Deja. The play, we I mm-hmm. yeah I Deja Nintendo much, but I know that song fucking rules. But yeah, your favorite weapon came out in two thousand one, so that was the one they were probably touring on. Yeah, yeah. It was the, the, great. the pop punk record, the pop punk record. That's how I think of it. Your favorite weapon was brand new's first record, their first big release yeah. on Triple Crown, and then Deja came out in 03 okay yeah they were generating a lot of buzz at that time too we played that show like a bunch of kids our friends of ours were like dude that's fucking rad they're like in brand new and like we had no idea yeah yeah they were like more excited they were playing the brand new like i have no idea who they are you know (laughs) that's how new knew they were so it was pretty cool it was just a good time for the band though like we used to the fireside bowl was really good to us you know we were kind of like there was a big show coming through town like we were fortunate we got to open it we were like at a good spot where we were you know a a fair local draw we knew that we would bring something to the yeah which is why they had you guys open you know that was the thing if you were hustling you were willing to hustle and you could draw a few kids out that was a pretty good indicator of getting a local on because a lot of these small tour packages they were young bands too i mean even thrice at that point they were pretty underground illusion of safety i think it sold 3500 copies this first week we all knew who they were, but a lot of people didn't. Yeah, it took a while to like pick up and everyone to hear it. Yeah. Face tour they did helped. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like I went and saw them on, like I saw them live for the first time. They opened, like they were the first band. Oh, wow. So down, it was face-to-face Midtown, the movie Life Thrice. It's a great wow. fucking show. It yeah. was right before Living Walls, The Best Revenge came out. 
and uh, I had like a sample of like four songs from that record. So I got to see those songs live. And I remember I saw Midtown at the Metro at that, but either way, like after Thrice played that show, I think after that tour, like really fucking helped. Cause those were like, that show was packed. That was a house of blues show in Chicago. And like Thrice got me along with Ryan Mendez and staring back. And this is probably something I really miss about touring with bands too. It got me into metal. I didn't really know about European metal. You know, I just thought metal was Metallica and Pantera. And that was like it. And yeah. No, nah, man, you, you need to listen to Soil Work. Check that. And I'm happy about, you know, that I... Dakota likes metal. Yeah, Dakota's saying, like, <laughs> you, uh, play gears right now. Yeah. So, yeah, metal. Yeah. yeah, I remember, I think I heard Tepe talking about Kill Switch Engage. And I had never heard of that band before. And listening to him talk about them. But they were a big influence for a lot of those riffs on artists. Yeah. So how did you guys link up with AF Records to do the following? So we made that demo with the three songs and then we played a basement show, Code and Whatever It Takes. Whatever It Takes was Chris Number Two's other band where he sang lead and like play guitar and the Code who were like the AF band. And I don't know if their first record was out yet, but either way, it was a rad basement show and we just... You know, it was packed out. It was a good show. And I know we gave the Code Dudes that demo. Yeah. And that's literally how it Rad. happened. Did you guys ever play with the Anti-Flag Dudes when they came to town? Did you guys open for them as well? Yeah. Yeah, we would go to Pittsburgh. I know we played with them in Pittsburgh. I don't know if we ever actually played with them in Chicago. We did. Did we? And it was really cool because I can't remember what the name of the band was. Mm-hmm. I know they were like a little more metalcore or screamo band. I can't remember what their fucking name was, but they were playing the Metro in Chicago. And if you're unfamiliar with that, it's a fucking great place. Green Day just played there. It's super tiny. In Wrigleyville, it's an awesome place to see a fucking concert. Some dude in one of the opening bands got bit by a brown recluse spider. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, who was that? I don't remember. But Anti-Flag hit us up that day. And I remember, like, I had to work. I've always been, like, a nighttime work restaurant guy and i think you were doing like i remember like just calling anybody like i need the fucking night off i need the fucking night off right now so we got (laughs) that show extremely last minute wow i totally oh wow that's awesome i think static lullaby was on that show yeah oh cool one of the toughest heckle crowds i've ever fucking encountered in my life like i normally really straight up got on the mic like into it with a guy like every band got into it with whoever this group or yeah you know individuals were like it was it was rough but it was fucking fun and then we did a tour with them with rise against against me pre-laura jane grace like so this is like the eternal cowboy no more black which everybody unfortunately slept on i feel a lot of people yeah no more black slept on that band Um, yeah yeah, definitely slept on fat records Yep, headline that over right. Yeah, no, Rise Against was only on Revolutions. Yeah, at the time. Wow, that's a killer tour. Yeah, it was. Yeah, each like AF band got to do like a little like of it, a so leg of it. West with them and. Okay, so, cool. We didn't play hometown. I know we played two shows in Ohio at least. Buffalo, we played in Buffalo. Buffalo, always in Ohio. We always end up in Ohio. Yeah, Cincinnati and maybe uh, Columbus or Cleveland. But yeah, and it was Bogarts. Yeah, I remember Bogarts. They had a lot of killer bands Yeah, that came out of Ohio, and they had a lot of cool venues, too. A lot of cool pockets of local music and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Was Dan, Mr. Precision, was he still in Rise Against when you guys toured with them? No. No, but we met him just after he got kicked out, like, literally. Like, uh, and recorded with him. Yes. And, and he gave us the Rise Against CD. I think it was the same week that it came out was when we recorded with him, and it was like, this is 
way better than most of the stuff coming out right now. It was, how is this not, you know, like, how is this a new band? You know? So it was pretty cool. Was it The Unraveling? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love those earlier. I love Rise Against in general. I'm a big Rise Against fan, but yeah, I love that first record, especially. I remember hearing the first song that they put out on that Fat Rec comp before they put out the record. And I just thought, wow, this is really cool. Because I was a huge fan of 88 Fingers Louie, too. We grew up on skate punk in the 90s, so we were listening to 88 Fingers Louie quite a bit. Yeah. I was listening to Quitters Never Win today. I was revisiting it because it had been a minute since I had listened to that one. Same. And I think I mentioned to you, Frank, <laughs> been a while. It, I, I mentioned to you, Frank, that when Everything is Fine came out, I was listening to that nonstop. So I still go back to that record. And I'll revisit your music here and there. But one thing that struck me today is that it did have that semblance of Rise Against. I could hear Joe's bass tone. Your bass has that growl to it. And the guitar tones still shred. The guitar tones still sound rad. All the little lead lines are really cool. The drums are punchy. It holds up, you know, for being nearly 20 years old. Yeah, it's a rad. And it's, it's fast, too. Was it a conscious effort to make a record that's just balls to the wall every song? Honestly, I think it's always like, oh, wow, you guys always play fast. And it's not even an intention to play fast. It's that is what the smoothest melodies come out of. Like, it's so easy to write a smooth, you know, you can make your words fit when the drums are just going to die, 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 you know, and like you just follow that chord progression. Yeah. Melodies are so easy to write, you know, you just like let it flow, you know. So it's yeah. like, it wasn't like we wanted to like play fast and be like aggressive. No, it's just what makes it really easy to write a melody. There's not a lot of like strange dynamic to the to the beat, you know. That's true. That's actually a really good point. Yeah, I was just listening to Chris Demakes, his podcast, the guy from Lesson Jake. They did a deep dive on No Use for Names International U Day. Yeah. And he was talking about how a lot of those songs, the vocals, there's space with them. And it's almost like if you were to slow the drum beat down, it's almost ballad yeah. I never thought about it that way. You know, it's like a pop song but with really intense, fast drums. That was like when we were writing Everything is Fine, it was like I had to force myself to get out of playing fast. Everything was just coming out fast because I was just singing like these slow melodies over, yeah. over like, you know, the fast guitar part, fast drums and letting it go. And then I was like, okay, I had to make like a conscious effort to go, let's try this halftime, you know? Yeah. And it was hard to, because I was so used to it. <laughs> I think Do you was- write a lot of melodies, Dan? And everything is fine. I did, but I think before that, not really. I no, think it was more. Yeah. Dan took control of that record. And yeah. Went wow. Like, <laughs> nice work, man. That's really rad. I didn't realize that. I think there's continuity. You listen to a record like Quitters Never Win, and you got Chris's voice, which is very distinct. I think he's got one of those really unique voices that is just him. You listen to him a few times and you wouldn't mistake him again after hearing him again. If you listen to the first record, your second record that came out three years later, and then everything is fine. I wouldn't have assumed it's different people writing the melodies or anything like that. So that's cool. A lot of it is just, it's, we get kind of like afraid because like some of those everything is fine songs were kind of weird, you know, and like you have different things in your head and you're like, this is going to sound like us. But then it always ends up when everyone gets their hands on it it sounds like us, you know, like every single time yeah. this is going to be weird. But then like once bass lines and Jevin does it, Jevin's actually like a really fucking good songwriter, you know, like I don't think he gets mm-hmm. enough credit. There's a lot of stuff that he has brought, like some of our best stuff has been something that started, you know, from Jevin's brain. Uh, okay, so cool. Jevin gets his hands on it and then you put Chris's voice on it. It's like, oh, it's, yeah. it's still much the same. All right, cool. It's much the same. Yeah. Part of it too is like sometimes I've said before, and like I am terribly annoying 
with writing with this band in the sense that I write 30 second thing and I send it to them because I want it demoed as fast as possible to hear Chris sing it because it's not much the same to me till I hear him. And I think uh, that also comes in where like, if there is a sense like of continuity too, between three yeah. different singers, I can have a melody. I'll send it to Chris. A perfect example is the song homecoming from everything is fine. Yeah. Myself, Jevin and Dan primarily wrote that. I wrote the words. I want to say the majority of the melody, but Chris changed one thing. I don't remember what I originally had, but he does this thing where he goes, see what I was missing. He did that. That's where it's like, dude, that's what's up. And yeah. I, he takes our songs and does those little bits of things too, that like is his own little spice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that it kind of ties it together. So it doesn't sound like three different bands or whatever. Not like you're Frankensteining it. Yeah, that's rad. And it's cool when you can trust your bandmate that much to have the instincts that you're cool with, that you're a fan of. And I think that's been one of the funnest parts about writing new tunes with our buddy Nick, who's the bass player, and he was in the band back then as well. Yeah. It's been a while since we've gotten in a room and written melodies and lyrics and stuff together. I'll re-listen to those tracks that we've released over the last year. And my favorite parts are all the things that he contributed, all the little harmonies and stuff yeah i couldn't have come up with that it's really cool that we were able to collaborate and that part wasn't in my brain to start you came up with it but it's the thing that i tend to latch on to now now that i listen to the song you guys trust him and then he gives it that flavor he gives it that chris flavor that you guys are fans of obviously because like otherwise you wouldn't be in a band with him yeah there's things that you know like was like no like this is what i heard in my head and like Will demand you know like to keep it the way that we had yeah. it it usually like like i said with homecoming with a lot of these things in strangers i think he did uh, shit with haunted too yeah with haunted mm -hmm. haunted a, bu a bunch of stuff in strangers he rearranged the words it was like an essay of lyrics that i had and i was just like jamming them into the you know like into the this verse that we had written and he's like rearranged some things and i'm like oh that sounds so much smoother thank god he's good at those songs though like chris is and you know this is like again the, if you notice something different between our records too is i think we lost more of that we got more like i don't know how this is going to translate over the airwaves without people seeing this but like you know there's that skate punk beat that like chris is really good at that that like you know what i mean so, yeah subtle difference and like that bad religion beat yeah yeah i really you know and like I'm not calling him out here. I'm not insulting him. Like he doesn't write that much anymore. And I wish he would be, that's mine. No. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to bring that back more. Yeah. I would like to get that stranger sound a little more yeah. incorporated. That's been something sure. like his shameless promo. We're going to be playing quitters all the way through at a show October. Yes. Um, Which is very exciting. And we can talk about that if you want. Yeah. Oh, right on. We're doing very exciting that you guys are playing Quitters Never Win. Punk the Burbs. Punk so the Burbs. going to be, it is in lyle illinois at base camp pub it's two days so like the first day you got kali Massey, great chicago band counterpunch she's alive some other really really rad ones and then on the day we play there's some really cool stuff so we got us the bull weevils bumsy and the moochers which are like a really rad ska band from around here cool. there's also a band called won't stay dead yeah it's a pretty cool uh punk rock band and uh, lights over bridgeport the hallow and like yeah uh, like lights over bridge i mean you know johnny so like all yeah all of our friends you know? so we get to play like on the day where it's, those are our fucking homies yeah. like no offense that's awesome yeah i never met you <laughs> <laughs> which so day is west hoffman playing never listened to kali mossy like kali mossy's fucking really really good right but we play like it's like really cool because like those are people when i just went out to lunch with daryl like a month ago so those are like our dudes. 
you know. That's really cool, man. That's a killer lineup. That'll be really fun. Lights Over Bridgeport, I'm a huge fan of. And Johnny's been on the podcast before. He's awesome. We've kept in touch since then, which has been really cool. Bull Weevils, they're kind of legendary in the Chicago scene, right? They've been around forever. And they've just recently been putting out new songs. I heard a song that I think they mixed over at the Blasting Room. Yeah. Maybe? I think. Yeah. That's, no, they yeah. Chris Beeble. I've, mm-hmm. I've talked to him before, and I think he may have mixed it. He, I think he was the one that posted about it, but... That's really cool. That's a cool lineup and Counterpunch. Those dudes are rad and they just put out a really killer record. I have a friend from St. Louis. His name's Wes Hoffman. His project's Wes Hoffman and Friends. I think they're playing one of the days too. Okay. And he's rad. You'll have to link up with him if he's on your day. Okay. Let's see. Jevin lived in St. Louis for many years. That's how we met him, from him playing in a punk band in St. Louis. So. He is cool. Yeah. Rad. Very cool. Yeah. Check that out. That'll be fun. I hope some people get some video of that because I would love to see it. Yeah. What's happening? You want to take a video? Send it to you? No, no of you guys. I want to oh, see yeah. I want to see some video. I mean, I'd love to see video of all the bands because there's a lot of bands that I actually really dig that are going to be playing that festival. And it's cool that it's two days too. So yeah. that'll be fun. Have you guys ever done anything like this where you've played an album like no. in its entirety? We kind of talked about that this was a good time. We were like, you know, look, Chicago's like heard us do the same ish songs you know i don't want to like dissuade anybody from ever coming to see us we know our songs we know like the ones that are the hits and like every now and then we throw them we're like fuck it we're gonna play because we want to play that you know but we just knew kind of like hey man let's do like something a little special for this one like let's try to give somebody an, an incentive to go essentially and there's a lot of people that you know they request songs off of that album which like i'm not going to name them because i don't want to like hurt anybody about their favorite song i'm like really like that one okay <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like you know what hey man like this is your opportunity to hear those jams and i'm i'm stoked it's been a fun when we reissued that record of course i went and listened to it and it was fun and like now i have to relearn a lot of it dan yeah. has to relearn oh it's <laughs> like we did you know like we did this year a few shows in the uk and a few shows in canada and it was six or seven shows total and every single one we probably played no more than two songs maybe three from Quitters Never Win. And that was just kind of like how it went, you know? Yeah. I want to hear most of the stuff from Survive. And then we wanted to play stuff from Everything Is Fine. Like it was, yeah. you know, like- these, That's, I think, most of our favorite records. Yeah, like we like, like, we like all, those the songs for us to play, you know? Yeah. Uh, new, like I just think they're really, I think they're good. Yeah, songs. yeah. Well, they were written- They, they are. I mean, and they're fresh too, right? You guys released that three years ago. Was it 2019? Songs are a lot of fun to play live. Like, I get, like, fucking really stoked. I mean, the other songs are fun, too. One song I get jacked up to play, though, like, from Quitters, like, I'm always stoked to play Wish. I'm always excited to play Wish because it's funny, like, you know, you're talking about, like, bass tones and stuff from that time and, like, recording with Dan. I think, you know, there's definitely each region of the country has its punk rock sound. Like, we all know skate punk is, like, a California thing. New York is, like, a little bit heavier with the hardcore. Jersey, maybe a little bit more of that Bouncing Souls 3, you know, kind of working as anthem songs and then the midwest i don't know what we are we're like just like we were we're the melting pot of it all where we heard everybody crossing through and like we just took all the best parts Uh uh-huh you know and and i think something that you'll find i'm not trying to like talk about my name but like i think a lot of chicago bassist riff in punk bands there's not a lot of standstill players dan andriano fucking even you know the early alkaline trio stuff like post slapstick like he's like ripping that yeah Joe Principe, I don't have to explain how good he is. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, there's just a lot of dudes that I think it's a thing that we move around the neck. And, like, that's, like, you know, even back then, like, writing Wish, like, I was like, all right, man, 
I want, I want this one to move all over the place. And it's a lot of fun going back and listening to that record. Some of it we were talking about. Some of it's a little bit like, why the fuck did I do that there? <laughs> just yeah, trying to show like... that I know how to use a G string. Well, there's no point to this, but we're going to have to play it. Yep. <laughs> and it's going to be fun. Yeah. It's gonna be Every fun. note, just like on the record, right? Yeah. No deviations. Did you know that you wanted Wish to be the first song? No, actually, what's funny about that is we wanted it to be the last song, which is actually why Chris was very adamant about putting the Boondock Saint quote over that because he felt it had like a finality to the record vibe. Mm-hmm. And oh, okay. we gave the record to Anti-Flag. They were like, Justin, yes, is like big on track listing. Like that was kind of his thing. Uh-huh. And he was like, this is the best song. We're putting it first. We want to come out swinging. He's like, that's how this is going to go. And like, they had a big part in like the track listing. The sequence. Dan, the one song Dan wrote made it to number two. On, on oh, right. You know? Yeah. I love that song. And, and even going back, what's funny, I'm sorry, I'm like deviating all over the place, but like even thinking about New Year's, when we played with Thrice, Chris dedicated <laughs> New Year's to Thrice thinking that that was like this heavy fucking thrice when it just a really heavy rise against get rinsed song but (laughs) you know that was his influence was he was listening to a lot of thrice it's funny that like you get a song like new year's which i don't think anybody would be like this sounds like thrice Mm. especially the losing of safety era (laughs) yeah i can hear it a little bit with the riffs and stuff i mean mean, those guys grew up on skate punk too i've heard them all talk about growing up on no effects and fat records and epitaph and stuff i think that's why they're so stoked to be on epitaph now because they can just do whatever they want and they're on this label that they have idolized forever in terms of practicing have you guys already started practicing individually yeah just individually yeah you can do like half the record I could do like one through six. I surprisingly like there's songs, there's songs that are like someday not soon, father and son, still falling. They're like, I haven't even thought about those songs. I started playing, I was like, oh yeah. It was like yeah. probably haven't tried even tried to play that song. Muscle memory. In years, you know. And uh yeah, it was just it was like, yeah. There's a couple spots I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like, I know. <laughs> I, have a, I have a sense of shit. It's funny. I work in yeah, shapes. I a bunch of, yeah. I yeah. basically work in shapes. Like I can picture the shape of some things on the neck and just like general theory, probably piecing together where something goes or sounds. But yeah, yeah there's a couple. But like I got one through six. New, speaking of New Year's, like that was one that I hadn't played in forever. That pretty muscle memory. It just like, I was like, okay, that happened. Came right back. What goes lower here sounds like that's a whole step, Red. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like when I try to play some of those old songs, my band's old songs, I try not to get in my own way. I try to shut my eyes and think instinctually, where did my hands go? Because some of the things I just have absolutely no idea how I played it. And then I think there's even times where you'll record a part on the record and you might play it a little bit different live. Yeah. But I don't remember how I played it. (laughs) I know I cheated here a little bit, but I don't remember exactly how I cheated. Or there'd be like an octave slide that's just impossible to get to, to the next movement or something. Oh, I probably let that go in the live show or something. Yeah, I think especially with, I have that a lot with the songs from Survive. Because a lot of that stuff was like so written on the spot. I wrote in the studio some guitar parts and then like never play them again. And it was like, wait, we've been playing those songs live. However, I did it. I was like, I don't remember what I did in the studio. So like a lot of the stuff I wouldn't even do, do like playthroughs on YouTube. I'm like, Oh, yeah. Oh, that is what happens there, doesn't it? You know, thank God for YouTube, man. I I wish we were big enough to where somebody could be playing my songs and teaching me how to do it because that'd be awesome. Nice. It's like, yeah, help. So, Dan Precision, Mr. Precision, what was it like working with him? He's probably a local legend at that point, right? 
yeah and especially like then because like it was the 88 stuff was still fresh the rise again yeah. stuff was still fresh you know what i mean like whatever you thought about him getting kicked out like he was in the fucking band and rising up i thought he quit no he got kicked out straight oh up. man okay yeah and that's like a well-known fact i'm not like and i'm i'm not like outing that right now like yeah um, yeah no i trust you i've never really looked into it too hardcore but i thought there was that rumor floating around that fat mike told him to cut his hair or something and he got pissed off or something like that i don't even know I, I don't, that might just be an old wives tale he got it but i think there's a little truth to every little bit of it you know what i mean there's little bits of truth in some things i know that fat mike has offered him an exorbitant amount of money to cut his hair like, <laughs> i'm with him like he would tell us stories about that i don't know you know how much that actually played into him getting uh fucking kicked out but working with dan was kind of like at that time was a no-brainer like he was probably like the best sounding studio in chicago around that time and he also it was like okay clearly he knows what we want to do with a sound so yeah we went in there and for me i mean as far as my experience working with him professionally it was the first time i got my ass beat when we demoed we let a lot go you know it was kind of like all right man we're just trying to like you know this is the demo this is kind of like something to like shop around the labels so there was maybe that studio magic, you know, Pro Tools was really fucking blown up at that time. That's like when yeah. you were watching people do things with Pro Tools and you heard all about like tape. And, yeah. you know, it was like, really? What? It's just that? You're just literally going to do that? Like someone's like, I need you to play one note yeah, to fix something. Then you're just sort of like, right. don't. And he's like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but when we went to record the record, it was a little bit more like the master with the lash kind of vibe. Like it was like, do it again, that sucked, do it again, that was bad, do it again, that sucked, do it again, do it again. And I was like, God yeah. fucking damn it. Like, I remember leaving the studio and I went home and fucking crashed from the mental overload. And it wasn't a close ride home either. It was about an hour drive from where we were to him. And mm -hmm. uh, that was my experience, but it was like, great. Like that was my first education in like recording and set me up then for the next time I was going to do it again. And it wasn't a surprise. And I remember personally wanting to play. I like didn't want to be punched. Yeah. You know, I didn't understand that. I was like, fuck this. No, I I, I can do yeah. this. It was like, no, we're going to be here forever. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to punch some of this shit. I'm going to um, do it until it's perfect. It was great. I mean, it made, I'm sure like Dan probably could say it, it made us better players. Yeah. He's like, yeah. He didn't produce produce our songs they, we came in and those were like i mean i don't know if he did anything no that you can think the of. father and son guitar oh yeah yeah yeah. He that he wrote that so oh cool yeah, yeah one of them yeah i'd recorded with dan before that with the band i was in right before joined much the same but he still went pretty easy on us because i think we were you know we were just doing it for it was again like a demo we were just doing it for ourselves and then we knew that we were that the record was going to come out in af when we recorded with dan so it was like kind of prepared, like I'm going to get, he's going to really, you know, wait on me. And then when we recorded like our full length, it was like, yeah, like, my God, I really need to practice my guitar. I need to catch up because he, uh, yeah, he, he lived up to his name. Yeah. It was awesome. It, was, it sounded like that you could hear it on the records. Yeah. We've all experienced that too. I think you get into the studio and it's like the first time you play with a click track. Yeah. New animal. That's a whole new world. If you get pretty proficient at that you're set, but you'll get away from it for a while and you'll come back to it. And it's just as hard as it was the first time. Yeah. I don't know. It's almost like a different way your brain's working when you're playing. I mean, you guys were really young too. You said you were 19, Frank? 19, yeah. 19, I was, 20? I was 20. Yeah. yeah I was 19, 20 years old. Okay, cool. That. 
okay, so I am going to sound kind of like an egotistical prick, but there's a couple things on that record. I'm like, damn, we were 20. We did that, you know, like, hell yeah. Yeah. Cool. Like it holds up, man. Yeah. There's like, it's a killer record. I am very excited to play one of a kind again. We, for some reason, I mean, I guess like if you look at like our Spotify listens and all that stuff, we, it's not a song that like hits anybody, but I think like people are sleeping on that one. It's just perfect verse, chorus, verse, chorus hits. It's like all the good things all in jam packed in this like, you know, two minute, 30, you know, song that Chris wrote. And it's one of my favorite fucking songs. And I am super excited to play that because that was a part of the original demo that got us on AF. I always considered it to be a fucking hit. One of a kind was. Yeah. I love the song after that too. Miss the pain. I love how it goes. Yeah. It was miss the pain. Quitters never win. And one of a kind that were like the demo that we were cool so miss the pain will be a lot of fun too that's going to be a fun song to play i like how that one goes major for a moment but then it goes back to those darker chords i like the lyrics in that one a lot i think that's one that i always gravitated to i'm pretty sure when we played with you guys i'm pretty sure i bought your record because we had your record in the van i remember listening specifically to quitters never went quite a bit that was how we discovered bands oftentimes this is going on another side tangent but do you guys use book your own fucking life to book tours and stuff Right, we always had Mook. Like, yeah, Mook. We had a fake booking agency. He had a, he had, a, <laughs> we had a fake booking agency when we were the early years of going out on the road. He Mike from Runaway Booking. Mike from Runaway Booking is so he would like book these tours under the guise of Mike from Runaway Booking, but it was actually Mook from the band. But like his name is Mike, so it's not like he's lying. That's you know? amazing. He wanted it to look professional. He yeah, look yeah, like yeah. Guy. Dude. We used to do that shit too. I was booking our first tour, Game Time's first tour I booked in an independent study art class while I was still in high school. People would always put the fake record labels at the bottom too (laughs) on mp3.com or something. You're always looking for that local band in an area that you're close to. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we always wanted to go up to Chicago. That was always a goal for us to get up there because it's only eight hours from Kansas City. It's really not that far. Do you have a full band right now? There's just two of you. Oh, with Game Time? Yeah. It's three of us right now. Okay. Our old guitar player, he says he's in, but he's really busy and he's not really helping us write or anything. But he's, yeah, it's mainly just me and Nick when we go to record the vocals. And then I've been recording a lot of the music. The first three songs that we released are actually music that I recorded a few years ago. Just for fun. And you never throw that shit out. That's a fucking and like never like dude i got shit man is there anything like off everything is fine that's mega haunted haunted was well over a decade old yeah even dude even like burner like we wrote that intro to burner we wrote that as soon as we finished writing survive like that was like wow like the first time like we got together back in 07 08 it was totally like other than that intro like everything else is totally different yeah, there was that. There's one other thing. Oh, I don't, yeah, definitely. Passenger shit was from another band. Oh, yeah. Pa- Passenger shit, we had a band with a female singer. We were trying to do something different. So it's like Passengers. That intro riff to Passengers was from that band. Some of the stuff from Man of Science, Man of Faith yeah. was from that band. Yeah. So very cool. Don't throw your shit away. Yeah. If you got yeah. Cool you dude. never know. Yeah. No, right? when we talk about the band that like, you know, where you were talking about the fluidity of like melody over like fast songs too. I think specifically when that band with, with the girl broke up and we kind of like, you know, maybe we were getting back into much the same or like we had wrote Haunted with, because we did Haunted with another singer at first, this dude, another Chris, who's got a fucking amazing voice. That guy needs to be in a band really bad. Just a talented guy. He's like handsome, has a good job, 
phenomenal at hockey, plays piano, <laughs> like all these things. It's just like, what can't Chris Walsh do? Yeah, he's perfect uh, on paper. I love it. Yeah, he needs to be in a fucking band. But I remember whenever we started writing fast songs again in the female front of band, it wasn't that. It was like we wanted to like, yeah, like we started to like, let's get like kind of weird with some of this stuff, you know. But then we okay. started. Yeah, we started writing fast songs and we're like, God, this is what we're good at. Yeah. This is like, <laughs> this is this is our lane. Doesn't mean I don't ever want to do anything different, but that's definitely our strength. The melodies, you know, it's because the melodies, like it, like we were doing that, and it was like so hard to write melodies because I was used to that that flowing. We all write on acoustic guitar too. I think that's a thing like a lot of people don't know is dude, like how many of those fucking ripper nasty shreddy punk rock songs you listen to like started like we said they sound like ballads when you yeah. slow them down mm-hmm. it's you know i just sent the band a song that it's f minor d open a like yeah. super pretty chords but and if you strum that out it sounds like any kind of like campfire tune yeah yeah, yeah. or pop song yeah yeah, yeah for so sure we, we all start there i mean even fucking trevor made me versus morrissey from wilhelm fucking sound if anybody has not seen that acoustic version like check that song out on youtube oh i haven't i need to check that out it's just trevor who writes all the shit singing that fucking song like acoustic and it's fuck i actually just got actual goosebumps (laughs) super good just yeah if you youtube it it's it's out there and it's beautiful i will yeah yeah man they put out a ripper this year wilhelm scream Mm -hmm. i wish they were coming to town they are not have you guys seen them recently They've been playing the States, right? Yeah, yeah. We, I did because I didn't get to go to Canada. <laughs> we were uh, in Canada when they were in Chicago, so. so. Oh, bummer. Okay. Yeah, but I but it was actually a plus, man. And, you know, to quote Trump, he's like, I'm glad you didn't get into Canada. <laughs> he's like, you know, so they made me feel really good about that because I was pretty bummed out about it. I've never, I've ne- don't drink and drive because you'll get a DUI and then you won't be able to go to Canada with your band because. Oh, man. Fucking strict as shit. I'm 40, sorry to hear that, dude. I went 40 years without getting arrested. 40. I've been in handcuffs several times, but <laughs> never got arrested. And fucking finally happened about a year ago. I, you know, PSA not to get weird, but dude, fucking Uber. Fucking Uber. It is not worth it from safety to finances. Anyway, yes, I saw Wilhelm at Cobra Lounge, which is like a small brewery. It's like All Rise, All Rise Brewing is the brewery, and then they have like the Cobra Lounge. It's very much like, you know, naked Ray Gun affiliated. And it's a pretty cool place, man. It's small, but it's really, really, really cool. We played there once with Wilhelm, yeah, actually. Really with and, oh, cool. Uh, dude, it was tight to see him. Brendan Kelly played. I got to see Make War for the first time. Like, I know a lot of people are into them. And, like, their bass player is a fucking ripper. Uh, they, were, they were a lot of fun to watch. But, dude, yeah, they, God, man, there's just, there's nobody like them. And I'm going to, like, ooze and get romantic about it, but you just watch those dudes play. I've never seen a band have more fun on stage, first of all. And it's authentic. Like, it's yeah. absolutely authentic. Like, if you're watching any of their Instagram stories right now, it's inspiring how much they're just into fucking playing and, like, cool with each other. And then the live show is fucking amazing to see those things brought to life in front of you. There are things that I swore to God listening to the record. You know, as a bass player, obviously I'm in a zone and on Brian. And there's things on the album where I was like, oh, I think I know what he's doing. Can I do it? Probably not. But I think I know the shapes and the shit of what it is. And then I saw him do it. I'm like, I was fucking totally wrong. <laughs> Getting... Yeah, he's a ripper. Yeah. I mean, you're a ripper too. But some of the new bass riffs are crazy. 
Sorry, I just completely talked over you. Yeah, yeah, no, it's all good. It happens, man. Zoom. There's that slight delay. It's all good. But I was just saying, like, yeah, like, Brian's a guy that you watch him play and, like, you're just, you want to get better. I can barely play the horse and I'm happy for it, you know? But yeah, that's, I love it when you hear music that you like. I finally have, I've rediscovered that actually. Like, I plateaued for a long time and I appreciate you saying what you said because for years I didn't think I was like gonna do anything better and I'm not trying to be like I'm so good now and I don't want to sound good. but like I at 40 years old man old dogs new tricks whatever you know I was happy yeah. to kind of like break through and these guys were very encouraging when we were writing like everything is fine anything like I laid down I was like kind of reluctant to try some shit and like he was super super encouraging like Dan was like hell yeah this is what's up and they were his songs yeah. so I was well, like I love the like I was gonna trust him there's a lot less, you know, Survive was post-illusion of safety, you know, so it's trying to be more like Thrice in that album. Mm-hmm. And then on Everything is Fine, it, I wasn't writing any riffs, I was just writing melodies. So I was like, oh yeah, if you want to do a bass riff there, that'd be awesome, because I'm not, I'm done riffing, you know, like, I, yeah. I, I have no, like, ideas or, like, yeah, aspirations to be, like, a riffing guitar player. And then he, uh, yeah, so he, he would write these bass riffs, I was like, oh, that's, yes, okay, yeah, I don't need to do, we did on Survive, you know. It's cool when there's space for it, you know, sometimes the part just calls for some underlying melody there, but I think you do it really tastefully, especially on everything is fine. And I think the recording really lends to that too, because the recording is really, really good. So you can hear the space between the bass and the guitars, but they still meld really well. Uh, Nick Diener, man, I hope he continues making records because I really enjoyed a lot of the stuff he was doing. Lights Over Bridgeport did a great record with them as well. And all the Sweller stuff, I've just been a fan of them for a long time. He's got a good ear for that stuff. But it's cool that you trusted him and that you gave him support. And that's rad. Because I think that's where the pure art comes from when you really support and trust the people you're making music with. But also, like, he knows our band. That's another thing, too. Like, I mean, I know I I, I speak for myself mainly, but, like, I would record with Nick till I die. I did Burn Rebuild with him, my other band. And that was, like, what made me want to do it again. It was so fun to work with him. It was super comfortable. I trusted him like a hundred percent because I'm like, this is a dude that's toured with my band. This is a dude that knows my band. If he tells me to play a note, I'm going to play it. If he tells me not to play it, I'm going to be like, cool. Because he knows what we sound like. And like, I trust him. He liked our band. So mm-hmm. I'm sure he's like, well, what would I want? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. what do I want to hear from much the same? You know? sure. And it was really good. And this fucking guy just killed it. Dan next to me, you know, it was awesome. And, and like, like you said, we're like, you want to do those things tastefully, like going back kind of to the quitters never win thing. Dan and I always bring up how there's certain riffs. You're just like, you were just doing a riff to fucking show that you could do it. You know? And I hear that when I listen, I hear that when I listen to quitters never win, it's like, that ah, was just in there for me to be like, I know how to do some things. You're trying to kind of prove yourself on a first record. Sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, I fucking have, I'm on the same, I'm on a label one by Chris number two. You don't want to be a shitty bass player. But, you know, it was a little overkill at times. So, like, yeah, I think I'm happy with where I'm at as a player. I'm not trying to stroke myself off. I'm just happy. (laughs) I'm I'm stoked, like, about the riffs I've been writing for new songs. I'm happy. I think there's going to be some cool things in the future, even if it takes 10 years. I'm pumped. Yeah, dude. I hope we get new much the same. There's this guy I follow and he's got a podcast and he's kind of like a self-development guy. But he mentioned one time that he considers himself a lifelong learner. And there's been times in his life where he felt inadequate. He would get in a room with a lot of really, really smart people. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, being in a room with a lot of really smart people and you feel inferior, you feel like you're not that smart. I mean, there's so many times where I've just felt totally dumb and not smart at all. But one thing that helps alleviate that is if you just say, well, I'm a continuous learner. 
So you can't really fail with that outlook. And it's the same thing with musicianship. I feel like there's always some cool new trick to play or learn to play. If we maintain the zest for music in our lives, we're going to continue playing and trying to get better. And it might just be something as simple as your picking style on a particular way of playing. It's not necessarily that one bass player might be so much better than all these other bass players. It's just maybe they just really excel at this one picking pattern. I feel inadequate every time I see Scott Sellers from Rufio play. I'm just like, geez, that guy plays so clean. I don't know if you follow him on Facebook, but he did a playthrough the other day. I'm just thinking, dude, this guy just shreds and it's just so perfect and clean and executed so well. But, you know, there's probably things that I can do that he probably really struggles with, right? Just because we haven't played that or practiced that enough. So that's how I feel about guitar. It's like, I'm going to continue playing because I like playing. I think that's what we try to do with with that last record. All right, you know, like I can't play Wilhelm Scream riffs or, you know, Thrice riffs. Like, what can I do? And I was like, well, I, you know, I listen to a lot of just straight up melodic basic music. I, I listen to like a lot of like classic rock. And I put this into a punk rock form. And that's how like a lot of that stuff is like, make it melody based, make it, you know, something ballady, those long melodies. So yeah, pleasing to the ear. Yeah. What's Frank Frank really good at? No melodic bass lines. So that was like, that's what you're going to do on this record. You know, Jevin, you know, like what's Jevin good at? Jevin just good at plain fucking type. Like he's just, you know, like, just like so perfect. Everything is like, and, and he'll just come in. He hasn't played, you know, like, he hasn't played drums in how long this came right in the band like picked it up and played every song fine i was like okay we're gonna be all right and you guys are gonna do a new record yeah it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. <laughs> forever you know the only Fuck reason yeah. I my shoulders by the way is like in case it's like an ep but i i will not i don't want to like go to the grave without putting out new much same music yeah. in some capacity i've been bombarding these dudes with any dumb idea voice memo i'm so annoying even if it's like 17 seconds of something like you know this is good right now like an it man satisfaction (laughs) they appreciate Uh, it dude they appreciate it but yeah i'm a big voice memoir and i have a lot of the first quarter of things that you know like a verse of chorus or like right one riff and like i think this is going to be really cool you know and like he and i were talking the other day about like actually even who to work on a song within the band to the because like I'm not going to, I think it's safe to say we write the majority of shit. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, that's not being arrogant about it. Like, it, I think it's just a, a what is. So, right. Again, yeah. <laughs> we just, <laughs> it was just high five. But like, I think that we were talking about like, hey, we should work on that song with Jevin. Because like Jevin plays guitar. And hey, we should work on that song with Chris. And by the way, like, not to like forget, we got a new guy. Like yeah. we got John, our adopted son, John, our beautiful, beautiful baby boy. And he, <laughs> he's like. You Does he write? He has his ideas too. And it's yeah. Like, oh, okay. He's been cool. like probably actually the dude, you know, who's been the most, uh, sending me the most ideas. Like, like actually like tracking videos of me like, hey dude, here's like a part to the thing. And he's a ripper and he's, you know, going to Scott Sellers. The thing I'm most excited about is like, I don't think we've, we don't have that like strung outy metally guitar sometimes or like those broken chord arpeggio, like quick picks a lot. And John is That's gnarly at that shit, you know. dude. Cool. Super good at that stuff. So, like, it's kind of funny. Like, I He actually, uh, there was something he sent me. He's like, hey, here's the lead over your part. And it's, you know, I heard his guitar make a noise that I've never heard in our band. And I'm like, oh, that's so good. It reminded me of Strung Out. It reminded me of Rufio. Like, yeah. 
And I was like, dude, that's great. Thank you. Thank you for I'm doing a fan. So, but like, again, going to it, like there's shit where it's like, we got to go to John like, be like, Hey, you need to do that. Well, it just has an element that like a style that we've been like, our music has always been like associated with, but like me and Chris are never those type of guitar players. So it's like, now we have that type of guitar player. And we already yeah. play the music that like those riffs, those types of riffs fit. So it's like, yeah, John, just do what you're doing. So hopefully it'll turn out pretty, uh, uh, pretty interesting, you know? Yeah, it just opens up a new, a whole new world. Just having that extra element in there for sure. You know, I'm a fan. I'm a guitar player, so I love it. Guitar riffage. I'm a fan. Does Chris write a lot of the lyrics, or do you write a lot of the lyrics as well, Dan? For everything is fine. It was me, me and Frank and Kevin did a song on it, right? No. I don't know. I don't no, think, I think so. it's just you know mainly me and Frank lyrically on everything is fine. He did like ninety nine percent of everything is fine. Though. Wow. Make no mistake, we did stuff together, and I like did my song, but like that's this guy. And I never been like a huge like I was always just more like the guitar riff writer. So mm-hmm. like, but I just had like this pouring out of like shit I wanted to say, and yeah, and it all came out. Had a good time. I love it, man. That was one of my favorite records that year. Wow. So before I let you guys go, this has been fun, man. We'll do this again. Absolutely. Why not? We'll do it in another year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> when yeah. you guys are releasing the new EP or the new album. Yeah. Like... Next August. Next August. Sure. Yeah. We'll... <laughs> Make it happen, man. You can do it. There's an album worth of songs, but we're not sure if there's an album worth of good songs. You know? So okay. That's why you say like EP. Yeah. Maybe an EP, a really good EP. I think we could fit. We, we can make a, an album out of it. Yeah. You guys can take your time. I mean, that's one of the good things about being a little bit older too. There's no rush, you know, we're not like in a touring cycle or a writing cycle or an album cycle for that matter. So we can take our time. I am like in a hurry for some reason, because like, because of that, because we're older, if I may, I've realized my own fucking mortality, you know, you have to like, for sure. Like I was, at, I was in know, a so hurry. Like, I don't we know. I think it's fine. That was like, we need to get this out. You know, like we need to finish this. uh... Well, okay, so that's good. We can definitely dive into this because I think you, as you were saying, being faced with your own mortality, I mean, Dan, you experienced cancer, right? Did that happen before or after everything is fine or during? Was it just before or? It was kind of during, like we had a lot of those songs written, the ideas were there, and then it all was just like a, a year of like tumbling down, you know, things just kept getting worse and worse, you know, for me health wise. So it was like, Chris just kind of picked up the mantle. It's like, here are these songs. And he was just like recording demos and like of all these just ideas that I, I had and like giving them. And then we started while I was in the hospital, I guess, and we kind of like fleshed everything out. And then wow. as soon as we finished, as soon as we finished the demos and everything, like that's when I started getting better. And I was like, okay, let's put the finished touches on it and let's get this out. Like I thought that, you know, this was probably going to be it. And then, uh, and then I was okay. So, <laughs> Dude, dude, man, that's kind of... Like, I mean, that's that's a pretty interesting series of events too like well, you like a lot of the songs like the songs are you know when it came out that was the point you know like a lot of like interviews and stuff i did had to like people wanted to say like oh so you, you know like you wrote this record like while you had cancer i'm like none of those songs besides in the event of the ukulele song have anything to do with cancer like that was all stuff depression and like you know anxiety that i was dealing with that was probably because I had cancer, you know, I just didn't know. I just let it sit there for years. That was like causing me to like have this kind of like breakdown and all the issues that I was dealing with. So it was like, no, that song wasn't really, you know, like about being in the hospital or like being sick. It was, it, it was about like the regular stuff that was going on in my life. So sure. 
But the timing of it, the timing of you getting better and the songs coming to fruition, you know, just the fact that you were doing this life-giving activity, being with your friends again, creating art again, I wouldn't try to say that it cured you, but it is interesting, the timeline associated with that, the turn of events where the songs came to fruition as you were getting better. I mean, that's pretty cool too. And I think that probably lends to the idea that those songs are that much more meaningful to you, even if they don't necessarily reflect what you were feeling regarding your illness at that time. Oh yeah, we realized like, as I got out of the hospital, you know, whatever, it's fall of 2018, it was like, okay, this record's probably gonna come out. Like we could probably do that this year. Was that something to look forward to at that point? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I think we did, oh, you know, it might've been a year later, right? I don't know, man. I was really drunk during that time. That was I think we had, I think we had <laughs> between me getting out of the hospital and going to record. So yeah, it was about that timeline. So yeah. A year to and you're in remission now? Yeah, everything's fine. I still, you know, Great. I still have a ton, you know, like I have lots of nerve damage on my right side here, like in my arm. So uh, playing guitar is definitely different. I have to take uh, medication for seizures and stuff like that. But other than that, man, yeah, there's no uh, no sign of cancer or any sort of immune disorder. So it's that's great. Five years Good for you, man. Uh, next summer. Okay. So, yeah. Good for you. That's really cool. I think we touched upon that on the first episode, but it's good to hear your story straight from you. And I'm glad it all worked out for the best. And it probably does lend to the idea of living life urgently. I had a friend pass 10 years ago. It was actually right after Tony Sly died. And his 10-year anniversary was Monday, I think was the other day. But I think when these really big things happen that are quasi-traumatic, they do force you, especially as an adult, to live life urgently. And it makes you take a second look at all the things that you still want to do, you know? And it's like, geez, man, I do love making music. I do love releasing music. I kind of feel differently is like, because not to get too fucking dark, but like, you know, like every uh, doctor's point was like worse than the last, you know? So like at one point I was just kind of like, all right, man, like if you die, like, you don't make this, like, are you okay? And it's like, yeah, you know what? I did some pretty fantastic stuff, you know, like I saw, like there's something you're going to leave behind, you know? So now it's like, now that I know I'm not, it's like piece of cake. This is all, this is all extra, you know, this is all everything. These are just like gifts, you know, like, yeah. My uh, son just walked in the room. So, hi. Yeah, that's, that's Gavin. So this you can is, say hi. Memorialized. It's a little gift. <laughs> no, you know i don't like i don't have the same i i get the idea of like the urgency but like no man it's all good like this is a, an extra day that i get so we'll get there you know we'll practice that song tomorrow you know it'll take a, and that's what happens yeah so, like, I don't it can be it. both right it can be yeah. both it can be okay well, let's savor these moments but we won't sit on them for too long yes yeah we'll, we'll get out some new tunes and stuff yeah i love that man well cool gavin nice to meet you i'm kyle how old are you Nine years old? Yeah. Cool, man. What grade are you going to be in? Fourth. Fourth grade. Rad. Awesome. Okay, what's your favorite Much the Same song? There's so many I love. Uh, <laughs> Dude, that's the right answer. I love that. That's <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah, rad. Hopefully, I'm hoping that uh, him and his sister, uh, his sister Swab, I'm really hoping that they get to go to the October 1st show and try to make sure that they're okay with kids being there. But yeah, that'll be so cool. Yeah, you want to see your dad rock out, right? He never has before. Yeah, that's awesome. I've got a couple kiddos here. Yeah, they're eight and 11. So fun times. 
1912. So. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I'm sure that adds a layer too, being a dad. Yeah. 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 To say the least. Right. Well, cool, man. It, dude, thank you guys for taking the time. Frank, thanks for hitting me up, dude. I'm glad we did this. Let's do yeah, it again for sure. Man. Why not? It was, you know, it's a good excuse to chat. Dude, dude, for real, for real, send me some voice memos, man. If you got ideas, you need another set of ears. I'd be honored. Oh, send them my way. You can annoy me all day. I don't care. I don't have, I don't have time. (laughs) I don't have time to do a positive encouragement. Yeah. So you have like Frank, that is great. And if you ever (laughs) lay anything down, let me know. Like if you need a, whatever, samesies. For sure. I'm game. I'll send you, I just got a first preliminary mix on a new song that we're doing, but it's just the music. I recorded it here and then sent it to my guy and he just sent it back to me. He remixed it. So yeah. Way to go on AR, by the way. I didn't tell you that. Oh, thank you, dude. Thanks. That was fun. That had to be. <laughs> no, it sounds so yeah. cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah, dude. I, I still listen to that version all the time. I listen to that soundtrack and yeah, I feel like a kid again. Yeah. Well, cool, guys. Dan, it was a pleasure to meet you, man. Let's you too, man. Uh, hopefully I I re- I would really love to see your guys your band play again someday. So yeah, hopefully I can either travel up there to Chicago or if you guys make it down to Kansas City or Lawrence. One day we'll play a, sh- a show in the United States that is in Chicago. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hey man, if you travel up to Chicago, like even if it was like October first, if you took it out, you know, I know you got a family, but you know. You'd probably have places to sleep and whatnot. Not that you wouldn't get a hotel or something, but like we'd set you up, man, if you ever came out. Yeah. Thanks, man. Dude, I appreciate it. All right. Brad. All right, guys. We'll have a fantastic night and a fantastic rest of your week. I guess it's Wednesday. And yeah. Heard. Thanks, dude. All right. Cool, man. All right. Take care, guys. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to help the podcast out, if you want to do a massive solid for us here at Having a Blast, if you could just leave us a review, a five-star review would be incredible. I'd really appreciate it. Wherever you listen to podcasts, another thing you could do would be to share this podcast with a friend, anyone who enjoys this type of music or personal development in general. All right, I hope you're having a wonderful day. Hopefully you're having a blast listening to your favorite records. Take care and I'll talk to you later. So close your